right, so my foundation scripture for today, and we're going to be really looking at this in some depth. It is from um, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 22. As I say, we looked at it last week, but I really want to have a, a further look at it today. It said, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, this is an amazing scripture. It's an incredible principle that emphasizes here God's desire, will, and ability to heal our physical bodies. Now, remember, this is Old Testament. This is an Old Testament. God has not changed. We looked last week how he's Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. He has not changed. Here's another amazing verse of scripture in the Old Testament. And of course, we know, as pastor was preaching, that we have the, the new covenant with Jesus Christ and all he's done to provide healing for us. And of course, we know that we've got the new covenant is, is made on better promises than the old. So certainly everything in the old is included in the new. It's amazing. It's an incredible principle. This, this scripture here actually means so much to me. Um, uh, it was in an incredible part of my uh, life after I just got saved. And I just straight away, I thought, well, I don't, I'm saved. I know I believe in God's real, but I didn't understand the Bible. I didn't understand what Christianity was all about. And so I said, so I want to know. I wanted to know. I was just like, I was just so driven to know more and trying to find out more about God. And it was, I went through a, an amazing time where God taught me so much. I, I thought, well, straight away, I thought, well, the Bible, yep, okay, what's this Bible about? And I thought, well, I'll just start to read it. So of course, I, so I started at the beginning in Genesis and I worked my way through the Bible straight away as a new believer. I, that was to me. And I started listening to teaching and to tapes and, and, and to try and gain as much knowledge so I could sort of put all the pieces together and find out how this Christian life worked, what it was really about, who God was, and an amazing journey of um, discovery. And uh, <clears throat> what I quickly realized um, that I had a choice. I had to either trust this word completely or try and put my own interpretation on it. And I thought, well, that's just too hard. How, how, how can I do that? And then if I can do that, someone else can do that. No, I've got to accept the Bible is the absolute truth. Whether I understand it or not, I'm starting to read some of that Old Testament stuff. You get into the Numbers and Leviticus, and goodness me, uh, you know that's pretty tough for even mature believers, let alone a new believer. But I decided whether I understood it or not, I would accept it absolutely as it is, true. And to me, and I, I, I made a quality decision then, and it stood me stood me well over the course of time. I, it was all to me. It's either all true, or it's all a bunch of rubbish. I couldn't. I've said this before. So I decided, well, it's all true. And uh, that was very, very uh, powerful for me. Powerful for me. But I, I realized also that it was more than that, that it contained power, that it had the power to change situations, supernatural. As it says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, it said that the word of God is living and active. In 1 Peter 1.23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Which lives and abides forever. Now, Peter here is talking to the saints. He's saying how we should live as we're born again believers, how we should live holy lives. And he's saying, having been born again, 
not of corruptible, but incorruptible seed. It's talking about the word through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. See, that's how we're born again, through the incorruptible word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was exactly my testimony. I heard the gospel, which Romans 1.16 says is the power of God unto salvation. So I was born again by the word. It came alive in me. It's living and active. It came alive in me and saved me. And this is how ultimately, actually, we all got saved, isn't it? We hear the word. It's truth and it's power arrest us. And it comes alive and it sinks from our, just a, an understanding in our head. And it sinks into our hearts. We're convicted. And we call on the name of the Lord. And we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And we are saved. That's exactly how it works. And this is what happened to me. And it was particularly real for me. As I say, I had an amazing encounter, and I have, some of you heard my, my salvation testimony before. I haven't got time to go into it fully today. But I had an amazing encounter when I got saved. I, I wasn't in church. No one preached to me. I was searching for truth, sure. Um, and I was just reading a book about Christianity and about the gospel. And I came to a section. Uh, in fact, I was in, it, was, it was a Sunday morning. I had a, quite a big night the night before. It was, I was having a sleep in and sort of coming to, and I thought, I'll read a bit more of this book. And I came to this section on repentance. And right there in my bed, that word just jumped off the page and convicted me. The presence of God. I didn't understand it at the time, but I could feel something. And I'm sweating and I'm crying my eyes out. Just crying out, God, God, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. I didn't even understand what was going on. It was just coming out. That word had come alive in me and had done something in me. Holy Spirit was there doing a work in me. And it, I met the Lord right then and there in bed. That's how I got saved. So the word saved me. And I knew what I'd experienced. Gee, you can't argue with someone with an experience, I tell you. <laughs> Our testimonies are so powerful. So I knew what I'd experienced. And I started even at that point there, understanding what the power in the word, that it is living that it is active. It wasn't just truth. It was more than that. So as I say, I started a journey very early on in my Christian life. What else could it do? It's had this impact on me. What else could it do? It can save us. But there's so much more. And of course, as we read the Bible, we know there are multitudes of promises, of principles in God's word that can, uh, can work for us. All of God's work God's word lives and abides, exists, we could say, forever. And it's as relevant today as when it was written. The word does not change and it will do exactly what God has says it will do. You know why? Because he can't violate his own integrity. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in those who believe. It's at work in those who believe. This is so true for me. I received it just as it was, the real, the present, the living word of Almighty God. And as I said, I determined very early on never to doubt it, even if I couldn't understand it all the time. You know, it's work, it's work in us. You might not realize it, but we've received the Lord. We've accepted him. And the word is living and active and brings us life. Now, I could go on and give many testimonies about 
um, how my life has changed and benefited from the word that it is at work within me. And I'm sure many of you could too. Of course we all can. You see, no word of God, I mean, we focus on the gospel, but no word of God is void of power. Every time we read scripture, it's an opportunity to connect with the power of God. The Bible says that God hovers over his word to perform it. In, uh, in Jeremiah, that's from Jeremiah 1.12, in the NIV version, um, the, uh, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah, he says, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. These are just not nice stories. This is God's message to us. He takes it seriously and he backs it. And it will be fulfilled. Amen? It's not just words on a page or on a screen. It's the living, active, present work, word of God. Incredible. And he will ensure it will come to pass. We can trust everything in this book. And I've grown to love the word. I value it. And I do my best to honor it. It's wonderful. So let's get back to our scripture anyway, because I give that as a bit of a foundation, because this is what the scripture is all about. He says, my son, give attention to my words. And then he goes on to say the other things. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life, living and active. They are life to those who find them. And they're health to all our flesh. How can a word be health to our flesh? That's the, the natural mind struggles with that thought. It's a supernatural principle here going on. As I said, this is one of the first scriptures that I memorized. It was one of the early ones. I must have heard a message on it in part of all that studying I was doing. And this one is one I've memorized and quoted and confessed ever since then. Every day. I confess the scripture over, over my own life and the life of my family. See, when God has promised health and healing, like the rest of his word, we can be certain of it because the word is incapable of being destroyed and God will bring it to pass. This verse is like God's prescription for life and health. And it's from the book of Proverbs. River Proverbs is written by King Solomon. And he's said to be the wisest man that's ever lived. I don't think we've got it on the, on the screen behind you, but in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 to 30, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. It contains great wisdom and great truth, the Proverbs. I'd encourage you, if you haven't read them for a while, get back into the Proverbs. The wonderful truths, wonderful wisdom that are contained within there. Now, like a lot of um, the chapters in the book of Proverbs, it's addressed to one of Solomon's sons. My son, my son, pay attention. Um, it's fantastic as a passage, as I say, that wonderfully connects God's word with a promise. And this uh, scripture actually provides us more detailed instruction on how to apply the word. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning so that we can receive the, the benefits uh, from it. It lists instructions on how to have health in all our flesh, how to have health in our physical bodies. Now, when I was studying and preparing for this, the word health I looked, looked up can also be translated um, the word cure, remedy, 
or even medicine. So it's a bit like a doctor. When you get a prescription of medicine, you receive instructions, don't you, on the, on the bottle or on the packet. Um, and it's very important that we follow those instructions if we want it to work properly. Well, God has given us this word. It's like a medicine bottle that he's given to us uh, with instructions. So it's important for us to follow them also so that they'll have the desired effect. Like with the medicine, of course, you take your, it says, you know, how many to take, how often, how many times a day, with food, without food, for how long. And of course, you do what the, the label says, don't you? Of course you do. Um, so likewise, it's not just a matter of reading the word. There's a bit more to it than that here, I'm finding in the scripture. There's a little bit more to it. And I want to know, what does this, what does this mean? So we need to follow the instructions that God prescribes for us. In the case of God's prescription, it's not just a one-off thing. It's um, making it an ongoing way of life so that we can continually have health in our bodies. Um, you know, there's an old saying that prevention is better than cure. So I confess this over my family. And, and I mean, you know, we've had the odd challenge, but generally we've had very, very good health. Well, I believe this has been a big part of it. Believing and confessing the word. It's a principle for good health, not just on applying it when we, when we have a challenge. An ongoing process that we stay in health and not just doing it when a need arrives. Oh, help, what do I do now? Oh, I better start reading some Bible. No, get it in your heart before then. So let's have a look at this uh, scripture and break it down a little bit more. Proverbs, I'll read it to you again. 4, 20 to 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. So there are four points there. First one, it says, give attention to my words. Give attention means to take notice of, to give time to, to think about, to meditate on, to do what it says, apply it in your life. Attention can also mean to consider the word, to concentrate on it, to take it seriously, to seek understanding of it. I think these all encompass what the, the writer's meaning here when he says attention. And we see this example throughout Scripture of God you know, exhorting people to follow the word. Uh, one another example is in the book of Joshua when um, Moses died and God is speaking to, um, to Joshua uh, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And he says, this is God speaking. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, the book of the law he's referring to there, uh, what we call the Torah. Now, that's the, at that stage, they only had the first five Books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. That's called the Torah. Okay, And so that's what he's talking about there. That's the only written word they had it, Joshua had at that time. He's saying, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall have good success. So once again, he's talking about prosperity and success linked to the word to the word and he's saying meditate on it day and night pay attention to it continually to me this talks about undivided attention undivided attention not a casual approach to the word it's talking about giving it high priority see life can be busy i don't know about you i'm challenged with this there are many many competing things for our attention for our time there are many distractions in life. Di and I, um, when we're having a quiet evening, uh, you know, we might have the telly on, we might be watching something that's mildly interesting, uh, but not quite that interesting enough for them we can get a bit bored. So we, we play bridge. 
And so um, we like the game of bridge. And so I've got might have my tablet on the on, on on my lap as well. And so I might be playing a game of bridge and trying to watch the TV thing at the same time. Um, and uh, you know, most of the time I seem to get by, but quite often I'll make a mistake. I'll either because I'm focusing on the TV more than the bridge. I'll click the wrong card on the bridge and go, oh no, I've lost the game. Um, alternatively. I'll be focusing on the bridge and then I'll miss something on the TV. You know what, what they say again? I have to rewind and find out what went on. Um, you see, I can't take in fully what's happening with both. It's very hard to do. Very hard to do. And therefore, of course, I don't get the benefit out of either of them, really. Both, both, both the impact of the game and the telly, the program have, have been watered down, haven't they? And sometimes we can read the Bible like that. You know, we can be distracted or, or just take a, a casual approach to it, not really giving it our full attention. You see, the word can only enter the midst of our heart, because this is the goal, to get it into our heart, if we honour it, if we give it high priority, if we give it our full attention. So when I do my daily reading, and I do that every, every morning, um, I, uh, I like to have a quiet time. I mean, I just go up to my office, I've got my computer there. I dare not turn on my computer, because then it'll say there'll be a message or something like that, and I'll be tempted to look at that, when I should be focusing on the word. So some disciplines, some disciplines required. Uh, maybe it's just me. Um, so I do set this time apart and really focus attention on the word so that you know, I can understand and, and really read it with intent so I can understand what it's saying. And also I have an expectation every time I do this that God will speak to me. That's the main way God speaks to us and reveals himself is through his word. Well, don't we want that? Of course we do. You see... Divided attention hinders us. God wants us to give this word the full attention so that we can benefit from it. Our minds all have a tendency to wander, to waver, even doubt. I like the scripture here from Romans chapter 4, verses 19 to 21, um, talking about Abraham. Uh, and once again, the writer of the Hebrews is emphasizing God's dealing with Abraham in the New Testament here for our benefit. Romans 4, 19 to 21, it says, Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. This was about the promise of giving him a child and being the father of many nations. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded... Say fully persuaded. Fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham didn't waver. He didn't doubt. He didn't focus on the, the natural circumstances that said his body was too old. It was physically impossible. He wasn't distracted. He was, didn't waver. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised he would do. So let's give our attention fully to the, God, to the word so that we also are fully persuaded let's pay attention to the words and I mean that can be at home when you're doing your own studies just focus on it don't be distracted and also when you're at church now or when pastor's preaching pay attention to the word honor the word that's why you can get the most out of it that's what it means pay attention to it we need to attend to it we need to give it our undivided attention so we can hear what it is saying which leads on to the second point pay attention to my words incline your ears to my saying Receiving wise instruction requires open ears. Now incline, incline your ears. Incline means to 
lean forward, bend over, listen closely, draw near. So we put our physical ears in a position where they can hear the word. Not just listen, not just, sorry, not just hear, but listen. I've observed that many people read the Bible but don't hear God. They're just going through the motions. Oh, I better read some scripture today. Read it. Oh, good, that's done. I doubt you're going to hear too, too clearly from God with that kind of approach. I've been guilty of it. That's how I know. <laughs> oh, I'm in a hurry, you know. I've got to get out. I've got an appointment. I've got to get this out of the way. I mean, it's not the right attitude really, is it? You see, we can hear things, but we don't really listen sometimes. The Lord speaking through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, he says, talking about the Israelites, he's saying, they're ever listening, but never understanding. Why do we often forget what we were told yesterday or even moments before? Because we're not really listening. We hear the noise of the words. We hear, we hear something audible for sure. But our ears are not really inclined. We're not really engaging, listening possible, listening properly. It's a, moment, it's a challenge for all of us. So to receive and retain information, we need to listen intently. Listen to what's been said with both our physical ears, but also with the word, our spiritual ears. Jesus said in Mark 4, 23 to 24, he said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, Jesus is not talking about, have you got ears, have you, having no ears or being deaf? It's not what he's talking about, of course not. He's just basically saying, hey, you can hear stuff, but are you really taking it in? Are you really listening? That's what he's saying. And also, I, I note, with it, I always, it always struck me that in the book of Revelation, with the uh, letters to the seven churches, you read there the writer writing to the seven churches and, and, and God's speaking to the seven churches about uh, their behavior and so on. And at the end of, the, at the end of most of those letters, uh, it says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So there's obviously this principle that we can hear the words but not really, really hear them, if you know what I mean. So we want to, uh, we want to listen carefully, listen closely, listen attentively. And this also requires us, I've learnt from my own experience, is to put aside preconceptions or pre-programmed ideas or viewpoints or biases that we may have. Be teachable. Whenever you open God's word up, just think, okay, as if you're reading it for the first time, it's like a treasure. What's it going to unfold to me? What's what God really saying? Don't prejudge scripture. Don't make up your mind before you've fully considered it. We can tend to do this. We know that in life, don't we? When someone's speaking to you, 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 get think, you get the gist of where they're coming from. And already in your mind, you're thinking, you're getting ready to answer. You're already thinking about the answer and what to say. When you do that, you're not listening properly. We all can do that. We can do that with the word as well. So be open to what it's saying. Don't let your own opinions distort what the word is saying. You see, Solomon, very wise. He was wise enough to know the nature and the tendencies of the human mind. And he knew that we don't really often listen as properly as we should. And that's why he used, in much of his uh, scriptures here, he used repetition as a communication technique. Even, I mean, this, this is chapter four, but the, the sixth time in four chapters, and the third time even in chapter four, Solomon reminds his son to listen to his father. Listen, my son. Pay attention to my words, my son. Listen carefully. See, now Simon, uh, Solomon, sorry, Solomon wasn't just rambling on. 
Now, guys, you know what this is like sometimes, your wives. My wife died, died, tells me something, and then 10 minutes later she tells me again tomorrow. She died. I said, have you told me this three times already? And she said, yeah, but I wouldn't have to if I thought you were listening. Because yesterday I told you something, and I said, I don't know, you never told me that. <laughs> Come on. So, but no, the wives don't ramble on. They're just trying to make an important point to make sure we don't forget. Just like Solomon was. Amen? Okay, he was being intentional. He was making sure his son didn't forget the importance of his instruction. See, repetition is essential to remember what's being communicated. Public speakers all know this. Okay? They know they need to repeat their main message, and maybe in different ways and in different phrases throughout their, um, their, their address in order for you know, the odds of the people listening to, the odds to increase that they will remember it. You know, there's an old saying, as students may know this, um, that repetition is the mother of learning. Repetition is the mother of learning. You hear something enough, it gets in. We remember it. And Jesus repeated many statements and stories over the, his ministry. So did the Apostle Paul. If you read their writings, quite often the same truth is brought out in various scriptures, different parables, um, because he knew that it was important to get it through to us. And in the world of marketing, there's a, a principle called the rule of seven. Um, it states that uh, you know, people need to hear the advertiser's message at least seven times before they are likely to take action to buy it. That's why companies replay or reprint the same advertising jingle and, and, and slogan and, and, and message time and time again because they know that they need repetition to access and engage our minds. See, our minds have a, a tremendous ability to process information, but we don't retain everything. We don't retain everything. Our minds only re retain the most memorable or the most reoccurring things. You know, if I'm at home and I'm, um, I've got, I'm short on money this week and I desperately need a, a couple of items for the house and I, I think, where am I going to go and get these? And in the back of my mind, I hear, I hear a, a little slogan that says, where everyone gets a bargain. Well, you all know what shop I'm going to, don't you? <laughs> now, uh, you know, so you remember these things. I wish I didn't remember that one so much, but anyway, it just got in, didn't it? And, um, and uh, so subconsciously, that's how advertising works. They understand this principle. So repetition helps us remember. But of course, it does much more than that. The principle applies in all sorts of things, but particularly with the Word of God. We know the more that we hear it, the more we believe, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You see, real faith, and Pastor Vanessa talked about this last week, and if you weren't here, as I say, I would encourage you to get that message. Is that real faith comes from our heart. It's not just a mind thing. It's got to come from our heart to work. And to get it into our heart, we generally need multiple exposures. Hear the same truth many times of the particular word. See, that's, repetition is essential. To me, it's a bit like a battering ram. Our hearts can be like fortresses, you know, in a way, full of our own opinions, our own beliefs, our own prejudices. We all have fortresses of fear, of doubt, religious thinking, pre-programmed perceptions, hardness of heart, pride. And like a natural for fortress, it can take some effort sometimes to break through the wall for them to get in. And it's like repetition of the word is like that battering ram that will break down the walls in our hearts so the word can get in. The Bible says this. Once again, the Lord's speaking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, 29. says, my word is like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. And so as we keep hearing the word, it breaks down the barriers around our heart. And removes the stones 
in the soil of our heart. Pastor Vanessa talked about that last week. The potential of stones in our hearts, we want them removed. Well, the word of God destroys them, crushes, breaks the rock, breaks its way through into our heart. And it goes from being processed in our minds and into our heart. And that's where it's effective. Now, sometimes this can happen straight away. It can happen immediately or very quickly. But um, generally, I believe we need to hear something several times before the, the revelation comes. I mean, how often have you, you've read the scriptures, you've read the Bible, and you're reading a verse of scripture, and all of a sudden, it just jumps alive to you, and you sense something from it that you've never seen before. You've read it before? Sure. This is because it's living and active. And something just jumps off the page, and God speaks to you. And then it goes from being in the head, just understanding it, and it goes into the heart. You know that you know that you know. That's how it works. That's how it works. So, we incline our ears to his sayings. The word incline can also mean to be favorably disposed. I'm inclined to do something. Um, I'm in, or willing to do something. So, when we incline our ears, it's also being ready to accept the word for what it says. Without argument, without excuses. It's the word of God. We might not agree all the time. When I first started reading, I thought, goodness me, this doesn't seem right. God, I think you've got this one wrong. No, he hasn't got it wrong. It's me who needs to change. So without excuses, without argument. You might need to park it for a while to get more understanding, but don't throw it out. Don't argue with it. Not a good idea to argue with God. Okay. So the third point, we incline, pay attention to his words, incline our ears to his sayings, let them not depart from our eyes. This, te- this speaks to me of focus. See, when our eyes are in right focus, we can see one image. And when there's incorrect focus, things are blurry, aren't they? I don't know, it may, it may, most of you have all used a set of binoculars at some stage. I know when I, someone says, oh, have a look at the view. I pick them up and it's blurry straight away. But oh my goodness, okay, so you, you play around with the controls, you adjust them until you get that beautiful, clear image, don't you? Uh, and, and it's focused properly. You see, focused eyes allow us to see properly. Blurred vision hinders us seeing the spiritual truths in the word. So let our eyes be focused on the word. It's a bit like catching a ball, if you, you know, when you training your kids and playing to play sport. You know, the first thing you tell them is keep your eye on the ball. You must keep your eye on the ball. Let it not depart from the ball. Otherwise, what's going to happen? You're not going to catch it, are you? We all know that principle. Another translation of this, um, in one of the other versions of, uh, of this scripture, it says, where it says, let them not depart from your eyes. It says, keep your eyes single. You know, we, we know the term being single-minded. Once again, this is talking about concentration. It's talking about focus. Keep your eye on God's word. Do not let the circumstances around you take it off. Oh, maybe it's not true. Oh, you know what I mean? Keep your eye on the word, not on the circumstances on you, not on the opinions of others. Oh, no, this can't happen. It's impossible. Don't listen to to negativity and unbelief and doubt. Keep your eye on the word. What does the word say? What does the word say? Now, also, our eyes... Uh, allow light to enter. Psalm 113, 130 says, The entrance of your word gives light. See, God's word fills us with light. Now, this is once again a, a, a complex principle to get full understanding of. But God's word fills us with light. You see, light always expels darkness, doesn't it? And the light of God's word expels darkness that might be in us. That could be in the form of unbelief, confusion, fear, certainly sickness. The Bible refers to the eye as the gateway 
to the body, the lamp of the body. Luke eleven thirty four. 34, it says, the eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are bad, your body is also full of darkness. See, if our eyes are focused on the light of God's word, this impacts our whole body. Life to us, health to us. Our whole body is full of light. And light throughout scripture is often used as a metaphor for life. God's word is life to us. In John 8, 12, Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The works of light are many, but two main things. The works of light are righteousness and healing. Whereas the works of darkness are sin and sickness. You see, on the cross, Jesus provided a way for sins to be forgiven, for us to be made righteous, and for our bodies to be healed. His blood was shed for our sins, and his body was broken so ours could be made whole. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we were healed. So the works of light are righteousness and healing. Works of darkness, sin and sickness. Health is from the light. Sickness is from darkness. God does not put sickness on us. doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from the dark side. So let us keep our eyes full of light, full of good. Let his words not depart from our eyes. Now, this is not just, I haven't got time to go into it all now, but it's not just talking about reading the Bible every day, although that's, we should do that. We need to get our fresh mana every day. It's not just talking about reading the Bible every day. It's about keeping the, keeping the word in the forefront of our minds so that we're meditating on it. It's always there before us. We're praising God throughout the day. We're confessing it in various situations. This is what it means. Keep it in front of you. Keep it in front of you all day. Keep it, let it not depart from your eyes. Which leads us on to the fourth point. My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. It's the fourth thing. Let them, talking about God's words, be in the midst of our heart. Now, keeping them means to retain them. So giving someone your attention is one thing, but really retaining what they said is more important. It's what's really important. By attending to, by hearing, by focusing our eyes on the word, they can then enter our heart, and that's where it can do the work. It's a bit like the medicine. We may take it through our mouth, but it's got to get to the part of the body that needs it. It's the important thing. Well, it's our heart that needs the word. It's our heart that needs the word. God's word needs to be kept in the middle of our hearts. Remembering what someone says requires more than just a listening ear to what is said. Actually, it requires sincere care. If you think about it, even if you're listening, you really, it makes a big difference with how much you care about what is being said. Do you really value it? Are you really interested in it? 
See, to retain someone adv someone's advice, we need more than an open ear. We need an open heart. If we don't care, our hearts will not be fully engaged. I'll say that again. To retain advice, what someone's saying, we need more than an open ear. We need an open heart. And if we don't care, our hearts won't be fully engaged. And if our hearts aren't open, then it's very hard to retain things in the midst of them. The word needs to reside in our hearts. See, we're retained, when we're retained in our hearts, we can operate by faith far easier. Because as we learnt last week, faith is of the heart. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Remember, we've learnt this before, faith speaks. And when God's word is built up in our hearts, we can declare it full of faith. And that's the faith that moves the mountain. It's got to come from our heart. If we want to speak words of life, words of faith, we need a rich deposit, an abundance of the word in our hearts. We need to receive and retain in our hearts as much of this word as possible. Because it's all important. It's all important. Look what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Some of the time when we read or we, you know, we hear someone uh, preach, we may, um, it may seem distant or irrelevant in our lives. But there'll come a time, there'll come a time when those words do become relevant and profitable. That's why we don't wait for a crisis. We build ourselves up with the word in times of peace so that when the battle comes, we're prepared. We've got that rich deposit in our hearts. We're well prepared. In the Gospels, you look at the lives of the disciples. As I come across this, this, this when I was um, preparing for the message. Um, we see here the importance of retaining God's word for a future time. Now, the disciples, when Jesus was teaching, quite often they didn't understand what he was saying. Um, in fact, in John 6.60, it records them saying, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? So they often found themselves scratching their heads and wondering what Jesus was really meaning, but they still retained it because they cared about the Saviour's words. So we must care, even if it doesn't seem relevant or we can't fully understand something. Don't put it aside. Retain it. And you watch. A time will come. It will come back to you because it's in the heart. The Spirit will bring it to recollection. If it's not in the heart, our physical we mind, we can't remember it, but the Spirit that dwells within us in our hearts We'll bring it up when we need it. It's like a weapon. It's like a great tool that we have. So many of the things that they uh, heard and understand, um, they didn't remember. But um, they did later. Here's, here's an example, actually, of that. And um, when Jesus was returning to Jerusalem for his triumphant uh, entry into Jerusalem, John 12, 16, it says, At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and they had done these things to him. So all of God's word is beneficial to us, even if um, at the time it might not seem relevant or it might be hard to understand. That's why it's good to have a Bible reading plan. We just don't want to stick, continue to our favorite scriptures. You know, I'd encourage you, have a Bible reading plan. Read through this word. 
you know, some of this Bible reading pens, you can read it in a year, two years. I, what, I, what I'm doing at the moment is I always read through the New Testament and I start through again. I, I do that sequentially. You don't have to do that. There's all sorts of plans. There's no right or wrong. We don't want to be legalistic about it. But, um, and then I also try and read something from the Old Testament at the same time. At the moment, I'm working my way through the book of Psalms. Uh, and um, and uh, you'll find, I think, oh, yeah, I've read that. But you watch, you think about it. When I came to do this, I thought, gee, it was probably five years had gone by since I'd actually read through the book of Psalms fully. So we can think, oh, yes, yes, we'll do it. But unless you're disciplined about it and do it, it won't happen. It will not happen. So um, have a Bible reading plan, whatever works for you. Let us deposit the word in our heart so that out of the deposit we can remember and implement those words so that they can be life to us and healing to our flesh. You see, the word is like a seed. Once again, Pastor touched on this last week. A seed will always is designed to produce good fruit. And our heart is like the soil. So the seed, the word, must be planted in our hearts if we want to produce a harvest. Seed will do nothing if it's just left in the packet. <laughs> Nothing's going to grow. It must be planted. It must be planted. And if the word is truly in the midst of our heart, it will automatically come out. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. When we declare the word that is in our house, we're in our hearts, we're releasing the power of God into the given situation that we may be facing. Because it is living and active. It is powerful. It will do what God has said it will do. So we pay attention to his words. We incline our ears to his sayings. We let them not depart from our lives. We keep them in the midst of our heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all our flesh. Why does it say to those who find them? Why doesn't it just say they are life and health? But it doesn't. It says to life to those who find them. Surely, if we've read them, we've found them. No. It's saying there's more to it than that. It's like the seed. The potential is in it, but it needs to be planted for. It needs to be cared for, given attention to, for it to produce the fruit. Some effort, this tells me, is required. To those who find them, reaffirms that we need to attend to them, incline our ears to them, keep our eyes on them, and keep them in our hearts. It is then that they are life to us and healing to our bodies. Continually attending to God's word with our ears, with our eyes, with our heart, will cause us to live in divine health, I believe. And I believe this is God's prescription for good, good health. As I say, every day I confess this over my own life and my family. By reading and hearing the word, valuing it, meditating on it, retaining it, I have it to use as a resource. It's a power within me, living and active. It's not just truth that sets us free, church. It's the truth we know and the truth we believe that sets us free. We can't use what we don't have. That's why scripture memorization is also very, very good. For those of you who've got the victory program, it was put together for that reason, that you can just key scriptures on certain subjects, get them into you, memorize them so they're in your heart. You can confess them and use them like tools, like weapons. Create a deposit of scripture in your heart that you can consult on when life takes you into new territory. Put as much wise counsel into your heart so you have a wealth of wisdom to draw on when life's challenges come upon, when they're needed. Surely, this is why Solomon wrote what he did later in the book of Proverbs when he, when he said in uh, chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Wise sayings retained 
in the heart of a child, the seeds that have been put in there throughout their growing up, they'll produce life-changing, even life-saving wisdom for them later in life. Guaranteed. And of course, the same principle of, applies to us as children of God. Just want to wrap up. We want to continue just with the rest of chapter 4 in Proverbs. In verse 23, it goes on to say, Guard your heart with all possible vigilance, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. So we need to put it into our hearts, but we also need to guard it. Guard our hearts so it's not stolen or lost. And also, it's not just a matter of putting the right stuff in. We need to keep the bad stuff out. Those stones. Our heart needs to be protected. We need to be careful what we hear. We talk about the ear gate, like it's a, your ear is a gateway into your body, into your heart. So we need to protect the ear gate. Mark 4.24, we looked at it before. Take care what you hear. There is some stuff we should not be listening to. Lies, perversions, unbelief. Be careful what we listen to. Be careful whose counsel you take. And then your eyes, the eye gate, another entry to our body. Be careful what we see, what we watch. We want to be like Job. In Job 31, he said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I will not look on any unholy thing. There are things we shouldn't look at. There are things that we shouldn't watch on our screens. Watch over your eyes. And be careful what we say, the mouth gate. Proverbs 18.21, Pete referred to it before. There's life and death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And there's a whole message on that itself. We might do that another day. There are th we need to watch what we say. We need to speak blessing, not cursing. We need to speak life, not death. Build up and not tear down. So we need to keep these gateways, our ear gate, our eye gate, our mouth gate. We need to keep them protected so that the treasure within our heart is kept safe. It cannot be stolen or corrupted by foreign invaders trying to get in. It's not good for us. Not good for us. We need to be careful what we let in. And if our ears and our eyes, I've learned this, if our ears and our eyes are taking in more worldly stuff than godly stuff, we're potentially in a bit of trouble. Things are out of kilter. And it won't work for us as effectively as God has designed it to do. So if the worship team want to come, I just want to finish now by reading these last um, verses in the, uh, in the book of um, Proverbs, chapter 4. It's in Proverbs 4, 23 to 27. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We just looked at that. Then it goes on to say, Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. As once again, bearing out the things we've been talking about. Keep our mouths from perversity and from corrupt, corrupt talk. And then it says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Once again, this is talking of focus. Keep them full of light. Look straight ahead in the right direction. Avoid distractions, corrupt influences, temptation. Then it says, keep our footsteps following the path of God. In other words, this talks to me of being obedient. Do what the word says. Right living, faithfulness, etc. Psalm 119, 
105, last scripture. It says, um, the word, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. See, the word is like a lamp that can show us the way in the dark. It's like if you're going out at night, it won't be a lamp, a torch probably, and you can see where you're going, can't you? You see, God's word is a lamp to our feet. And that means we can, looking at our feet, they're the steps we're taking day by day. So right living day by day, making good decisions, avoiding things that cause us to stumble. Without light, we'll fall over. Directing our steps, but they're also leading us on the right path, looking forward, looking ahead, keeping us going in the right direction for our lives, keeping us on the straight and narrow, as the saying goes, showing us the way to go. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word in our heart can also strengthen and protect us from falling into deliberate sin. And the thing is, the devil is looking for opportunities to put sickness on us. If we get into deliberate sin, we're potentially opening a door to that, and we don't want that. So it can strengthen us and help us overcome sin as well as bring health to our bodies. So, my son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their fish, flesh. Church, there's healing in the word. Let's make sure we're getting that prescription, that medicine inside of us. God's word so that we can be healthy and prosper. Amen. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.